0: Navy security forces member here. This will probably get buried but oh well. I was on shift with a DoD police officer on the oldest Navy base we have in the states. We get a call about an alarm going off in a nearby office and it be being midnight, we quickly get over there. When we get to the building there are lights on in the second story. We try all the doors and they are locked, try the windows locked, look for any possible entryway, and everything is sealed up tight. We call the building commander and they sent a guy to come and turn off the alarm and let us look around to make sure all is well. When he got there his first statement to us was, alarm going off again. Damn it, I'm sick of that ghost messing my days off up. Apparently everyone that works in that building has claimed there is a ghost that likes to move stuff around and cause the alarm to go and a check of the call log for the alarm activation showed that every time it went off, the building was locked up tight. I'm a United States Marine happened while I was in the service, but not necessarily related to the military. My grandmother died when I was 15. She told all of us in the family that if we got tattoos to remember her by, she would haunt us. When I was in my first year, I went to a local tattoo shop in Pensacola, Florida, just off base at Nas Pensacola. I had a tattoo drawn up of a pair of wings and my grandparents names on either side. When the artist got started with my grandmother's name, the room temperature dropped what felt like 20 degrees. It was that cold until he was done. It was 95 degrees out that day and I swear it was 30 in the room. My aunt, who also got a tattoo in remembrance of my grandmother said the same thing. As soon as the artist started, the room got cold as ice and stayed that way until he had finished. My brother was part of a military security detail, he was in the military, not a contractor. I won't go into detail to protect him, but some top-secret hardware was being delivered to his base, by train. They knew when it was coming, and they were on full alert. All this is normal. Except when the train arrived with the hardware, it was invisible. The entire train. It appeared out of thin air. He said it must have been cloaked, somehow, for its journey. And when it did appear, there were men standing on each train car, dressed in black and wearing face masks, it wasn't cold. So many questions. But that was his account. And I absolutely believe him. My brother is a very straight-laced guy. Having spent 24 years in the army I have been fortunate, or unfortunate really, enough to spend a lot of time far away from town, cities sources of ground light etc a couple of places really stood out for my fort irwin california is in the high desert about 45 minutes from the closest town barstow fort irwin is the largest square miles post in the army and is bordered on one side by china lake which is a testing ground for all things secret and exotic when we were out in the field the night were so clear and the stars so bright you could actually see the lights of las vegas about a two and a half hour drive reflecting on the sky most of the time either way it doesn't rain much out there and the nights are spectacular china lake is a test area for all sorts of rockets and secret aircraft i saw both types of steel bombers back in the early 90s and dozens of times we saw lights that simply defied explanation we just always assumed the guys at china lake were up to some secret shenanigans but some flew in such a way that no craft I have ever heard of can do. Lots of zipping around in all directions and changes of direction no normal aircraft could make. During Operation Desert Storm we spent months out in the deepest desert, far from any major cities. The night skies were spectacular, and the crazy lights you could see once again defied explanation. We chalked most of it up to the aircraft flying north to bomb Iraq, but some of that stuff was just unnatural. If you have lived in a city for most of your life, do yourself a favor and get out to the desert at night. It is truly spectacular and a little bit terrifying. 2013. I was stationed at McGuire Army Forces Bank in New Jersey. I didn't have a car yet and wanted Wawa. Wawa is like a mile and a half outside the front gate. I was working night shift and had the night off didn't matter. Wawa was open 24-7. So I start my run and I run right past this dead deer. Like it looks like it was just hit 2 because even though it was dead, nothing was eating it or anything. So I continue running, get my Wawa and start to run back. On my way back, I'm on the other side of the street. I notice what I think is a naked homeless man chowing down on this carcass. It kinda looks at me and runs like Gollum into the woods right behind it. I honestly have no idea what TF I saw. I thought maybe a bear with mange? Alien? No heckin' clue. So I sprint back on base. Security forces at the gate have no idea what I'm talking about. I get to my room, find my phone and google TF out of stuff. Best description and picture I can find is the New Jersey Devil. I stop running off base at night. 2014. I went to a concert with my friend Heather I was serving with. Concert in Philadelphia. About 45 minutes away from base. On our way back, we are in the car for maybe 7 minutes. I was going slow because GPS wasn't working and I kinda knew my way back. Kinda didn't. And it took like 3 minutes just to get out of the parking lot. But from the time we started backing up, to 7 minutes later, We somehow traveled to Cherry Hill Mall which is at least 20ish minutes away with no traffic and speeding. I think it was a wormhole. 2016. Not mine but my supervisor's. We were in Ali Al Salem, Kuwait. Supervisor said as he was walking from his tent toward our place of work, he saw someone with a uniform he didn't quite recognize. Guy was moving slow and my supervisor tried to say something. But he just walked past him and when my supervisor turned around, he was gone. Another one of my supervisors said that he probably saw someone from the Gulf War that died here. Well I got out of the US Army couple years back. During one of my deployments in Afghanistan. I'm gonna say around summer 2010. Me and my good buddy and a squadmate of mine by the name of Hartman shared a chew. It's like a container with built-in AC aka our home for the bext year, though it was small. It was comfortable. I'm getting off track. One day we got off a 16 hours mission all everyone wanted was a cold shower and a warm meal from the chow hall. So after leaving the motor pool Hartman and I head over to our Chu. Me and him are close, we usually do everything together. Hit the gym, hit up the chow hall. So every time one decides to do something we would ask each other if they want to come with. So we went to the showers came back. Mind you we wearing our PT uniforms. Not ACUs. He said let me just call my wife on Skype and we'll hit up the chow hall. I said okay I'll just step outside for a smoke and wait for you. While outside smoking not even 5 minutes I see him walking about 20 yards heading towards the motor pool in ACUs. I know it's him cause he is skinny tall white dude in our company with glasses, I also recognized our unit patch. So me and one of my buddies saw so we start yelling his name. He didn't respond so we started following him thinking he probably forgot something in the motor pool. Mind you our motor pool is a good half mile from our living quarters. So we saw him walk briskly through a row of vehicles, and as we're walking towards where he went, I swear we can hear somebody giggling. Assuming it was a joke we searched the whole motor pool, bro there was no body, and right behind where our vehicle is at is a wall, couldn't go anywhere even if you wanted to. Slightly freaked out my buddy and I double timed to our chew where Hartman was laying there talking to his wife on Skype. I knew it wasn't him cause if he ran back from the motor pool we would've seen him. All I know is that stuff got me freaked. <coughs> Growing up playing video games and watching war movies, I didn't think twice about joining the Marines so I could be in the infantry. I went through all of the training and unwelcome hardship that makes you really reconsider your decision. Anyway, I got stationed to a desert base known as 29 Palms, the largest piece of militarily controlled land in the US. It covers approximately 930 square miles in total. It's huge, in Southern California, and a few hours from Mexico. When you're out that far, you start to see some stuff. Anyway, fast forward to my first field op and me losing my mojo. To put things in perspective as to how far away we are from civilization. The closest man-made object is a three hour ride away. This day was particularly hot because it broke 130 as if the sun said I told I could. So we spent all day hiding under camouflage netting getting classes about various military tactics. Once the sun set, we set off into night to get some hard realistic training done. At night, we practice using our night vision optic to do simple stuff like reloading and reading maps. It produces an image off of ambient infrared light so you can actually see a lot more stuff than the naked eye. The sky is absolutely cluttered with stars. I can see a shooting star every few seconds. The Milky Way. It's pretty darn cool. Finally, after roaming around aimlessly for what felt like forever, we head back and were granted a few hours of sleep. I lay down and start to drift off. I'm suddenly woken up after what felt like 10 minutes and I get up instantly. Get up bitch, you're on watch. God damn it. I get dressed and I stand my post dutifully like I'm told at the checkpoint. I'm given a radio and told to only lift the barbed wire after it gets approved over the radio. It's maybe around 2 AM and everyone else in my company is dead asleep except for myself and an officer in the comm truck. All I can hear are the coyotes. I decide to start looking at the stars with my night vision. I hear a coyote yelp off in the distance and think nothing of it. A few minutes later, another marine comes over a small hill in front me. Nothing crazy, probably taking a dump. He walks towards me but his eyes don't really reflect light. Rationally. One of us is probably dehydrated so I think nothing of it. He approaches me and after a few seconds of staring at me, he simply says, can I come in? His voice didn't sound right. No inflection or questioning tone. Weird. I ask him what his name was and why he was out so far taking a dump. He tells me his name, Sergeant Wright, and he ignores my dump question. Same weird voice. Granted, I'm new to the unit so I don't know anyone named Sergeant Wright but I still had to verify it. Main, this is Road Guard 1. There is a Sergeant Wright requesting entry. Over. Road Guard 1, this is Main. There is no Sergeant Wright in this company and the closest unit is 25 miles away. Make sure stuff get the F back here right now. Don't let him or even look at him. Run. As the weird dude started to hear this his face changed to severely angry. Like he wanted to rip my throat out and drink my blood. By the time I got back, everyone is awake. All of the vehicle lights are turned on and everyone is packing up, scrambling into the trucks. We leave a lot of stuff behind like the tents, water, and food and drive the entire three hours back. I never got an explanation from anyone but my squad leader who was a simple, backwoods kind of guy, who bluntly said that whatever I saw, wasn't asking to get through the gate. I never really understood what he meant by that until I discovered this sub. More to come. Trying to do these in chronological order as fast as I can. As you can guess, they get crazier as they go. Part 2. After my most recent creepy experience with weird-looking people scaring me, we went somewhere much more terrifying. A remote little Marine Corps base called Bridgeport, It's in a national forest just north of Yosemite. It was built to train marines in the art of mountain warfare. There's a lot of mountains. It's cold. It's windy. And if you ever go there, you'll hate your life too. Anyway, when we first get there, we stay in these creepy concrete huts with bunk beds in them. There's a bathroom and some showers and that's about it you fight over the outlets to charge your electronics and there's not really any heat besides a bunch of marines cramped into one area the first few days are miserable your body has to adjust to the new altitude the air has less oxygen so physical work and exercise plays out in slow motion oh and you're constantly tired and all you want to do is sleep there isn't much in terms of fresh food and things can get pretty bleak if you have the wrong mindset You wouldn't believe me if I told you these were the better times, hey? Eventually, we march up into the mountains carrying our ridiculously heavy packs, stuffed to the brim with warming layers, food, water, and nicotine. The first few days were easy. We would hike all day and stop to rest and learn a few things on survival and such. There was some snow on the lower parts but not a ton, thankfully. Around the fourth night, Someone had the awesome idea of making us practice our nighttime navigation skills. I am a pretty decent navigator myself, so I was up for the challenge. No big deal. They hand out the compasses, maps, and protractors and set up an elaborate system of how to get to finish line. It was staggered so people weren't walking all over each other. This is where things get interesting. I'm in the woods. It's dark and cold. I hate my life so I'm stumbling through the trees and brush loud as hell without a care in the world. I just want to finish this dumb thing so I can go to Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. I get to my first point easily because there is some moonlight shining through the trees. The second one was placed in a river and I still remember how livid I was standing in the river, copying down the word donkey etched into an amokon on top of a rock, in a freezing cold river. Wet boots will drive a man insane. I stop to squeeze out the moisture from my socks and I get this primal feel that I'm being watched. I stand completely still and all I can hear is my heart beating. No wind or wildlife. Just me. My first thought is that it's a marine trying to piggyback off my success. I put my soggy boots back on and do what anyone would do. I crest the next hill and stop so I could listen. Nothing. Maybe I'm just freaking the F out. Screw this. I keep walking. 10 minutes later and I get the same feeling. Any rookie stalker knows that you have to match the person's step so that they don't hear you so I start to randomly stop or change my step. After a few wholehearted tries, I don't hear any footsteps, but I do hear breathing. If it's a mountain lion or something crazy, I have no choice but to keep walking and hope I can pull my dull Gerber knife out in time. About this time, I get to my third point and plot my final point. It's near a road so I cut straight east and literally book it up the road. I still felt like I was being followed the entire time, But I felt safer because I could hear the low roar of a Humvee engine up the road. Looking back, I lead whatever it was right to the rest of us, that was a dumb mistake. Nothing else happens that night. Everyone else gives up and just uses the roads to make it to camp. Those who don't make it back are told to walk towards the sound of a beeping horn. Funny. I finally get to sleep in the safety of numbers. We use the next day to remediate our nighttime land nav skills and refuel our bodies with food. Once the sun sets, we march off into the mountains in a file. Unfortunately, since I carry a rocket launcher, my natural position is in the back, but not the very last so that's a positive. We spend the early night hiking. We were moving very fast and probably 20 meters spaced apart. At times, it was common to lose sight of each other. All of us were slowly getting exhausted. Suddenly, stuff just gets dark. Like the ambient light is just being absorbed. I get that same primal fear. Extreme silence? Yep. I keep walking without a word until I hear someone, probably the guy behind me, call my name. I turn around and he looks at me like I'm an idiot. What the F? Keep going dude, they're gonna lose us. Okay. Weird who called my name. I spin back around and try to see my way through the brush for the guy in front of me. I get a glimpse of him and discreetly yell at him to slow down, but he doesn't even hear me. Wtf. About the same time, I hear from behind me dude what the f is th I heard a light rustling of leaves and some twigs but that's it. I run back maybe 15 meters, which isn't far, but at night it is. There's nothing but his pack on the ground and his rifle. I call out his name. Nothing. I reach for my radio. It's dead. I turn on both of my flashlights. Dead. I start yelling, I blow my rape whistle that they made me pack. Nothing. I don't know how long it took them to realize I was missing and how they backtracked their way to me, but it felt like hours. I could feel whatever it was just out there, waiting. Brutally toying with me. I told them everything and they were convinced the guy just got lost. They all spread out and looked for him for a few hours but ultimately came up with nothing. Sometime the next morning, one of the hippie park volunteers found him 30 kilometers away across multiple mountains. He was bleeding from his ears and didn't even know his name. Of course he was in extreme hypothermia and he had a ton of bruises on him, but no severe bleeding. They ended up getting a helicopter to take him to the closest hospital. Ghost stories seem to be very common in the army. When I was in the army, not the US, there was always a bunk that was supposedly haunted and every time we went into the jungle someone will always claim to have seen something. I myself have experienced some weird stuff in the jungle though I attribute it to dehydration and extreme fatigue. We were doing a topography exercise in a jungle in southeast asia and we had three man teams they would drop you off somewhere in the middle of the jungle and you would have to navigate your way out which would take roughly three days the top canopy of the jungle was so thick that by the time it was 5 pm it got so dark that you would not even be able to see even a meter in front of you on the first day one of my buddies fell ill and came down with a fever so we were significantly slowed down Me and the other guy had to carry some of his gear for him. We had been humping all day and were trying to make the checkpoint cause we knew come 5pm we would not be able to go anywhere. While we were walking I turned to my left and saw this old man wearing all white walking beside us 3 meters away. Now bear in mind this was in the middle of the goddamn jungle and the nearest civilian was days away. I kept my calm and walked on, I would periodically turn and sure enough there he was walking beside us. I kept seeing him till it fell dark and we had to break camp. Everyone's rest area had to be about 5 to 10 meters away from each other, no cluster f so in case of an attack you wouldn't all be pinned down or killed at once, so by the time it was dark I was alone. I do not believe in ghosts but needless to say I was freaked out the whole night. Every time I stared into the darkness I would imagine him jumping out and just staring at me and I could hear movement from the empty darkness in front of me from time to time. Didn't tell my buddies till we were back at the barracks. My dad was a corpsman in US Navy from the 80s to around 2009. He was deployed to the Philippines and worked in an American hospital that had been converted to an administrative building. One of his duties was to lock up the building every night. Before he could do that, he had to make sure no one was still in the building, so he would walk down the halls checking all the rooms. The hallways all had fisheye mirrors at the intersections that allowed one to see people who were rounding the corners. One night, my dad was walking down a hallway, nearing the end, when he sees a nurse in the fisheye mirror. She looked like she was rushing down the hall pushing a hospital gurney. As my dad rounds the corner, he makes room for the nurse and prepares to assist her. When he reaches the end of the hall, no one is there. The hall is completely empty. My dad has told me this story a couple times and each time it always kind of weirds me out. He was in the military one night him and a buddy went out to get food. About halfway into their drive down a dark road my dad and his buddy noticed a woman in a red dress with black hair walking. My dad and his buddy found it odd because it didn't seem safe and it wasn't that warm. My dad said deep down he knew stopping was a bad idea and so the drove by a little more slowly to get a glimpse to see if she needed help. As the drove by my dad and his friend both swear she has no face. Instead, there was just a black hole as if she had been in a wreck and her face was taken off. It freaked them both out so badly my dad floored it and when they stopped to eat both of them agreed they saw the same thing. Come to find out a woman had been killed earlier that year in an accident. They were talking about it when a stranger told them the sightings of the woman were actually common. I am not one to believe in the paranormal but the story is still kind of weird. Edit, guys I will reiterate that I never said I believed in the paranormal. I never said this story is true and there is no scientific explanation. I just told a story and whether you find some value in it or not is ultimately dependent upon who you are and what you value. Regardless of how cliche or silly something like this might sound I always like to state the fact that we are all human. When we see or hear something we don't understand our minds get to us and it makes us more paranoid or begs us to continue questioning what we experienced. That is something humans just do. If you are out in the woods and you hear a noise and you are alone and it's dark you instinctively question your safety and become paranoid. We want answers and we want to know we are okay. I don't need scientific explanation because I am aware that the brain does things we don't understand. But what we do understand is that when can't find an explanation it drives us nuts and scares us the black my dad saw was probably just bad or poor lighting or the heat of the moment and the brain didn't get the lady's features. Perhaps the woman had hair in front her eyes. There are all sorts of explanations that make way more sense, but when faced with the same circumstance we would probably all react the same way and question our sanity. I'm a former SAC missile crew commander and staff office. I worked as an ICBM launch crew. Normally each crew was assigned to a specific missile silo so that they would better understand its quirks. One of the silos built in Arkansas had an accident during the build that killed 53 people. Rumors said the site was haunted. Air force manning of that site would rotate through all the crews so that no one was forced to be there all the time. I spent a lot of time doing contract work for the army. They contract a hell of a lot of mechanic work out to civilians. Saves on overhead, I guess. But that means I'll often be driving out into obscure training ranges out in the middle of nowhere to unscrew a mission-critical vehicle or piece of equipment that can't be easily brought back into the shop. It could take an hour or more to get out to some of the places these guys, and gals, more and more these days, break their million-dollar toys. Most of the time the job is routine. Spend an hour or more getting to the site. Do an assessment. Fix it if I can, or get an M88 out there if I can't. Head back to the shop. Do the paperwork. Call it a day. At least, that's how it went before they transferred me out to a certain well-known installation in the California desert. Right off the bat I felt like I was being punished. The folks I met in the shop on day one were nice enough on first blush, if a bit coy about the command climate. But they chided me for not knowing any of the rumors about the base and proceeded to tell me a menagerie of what amounted to ghost stories. They were just messing with the new guy, I thought. One guy, Mikey, even put on an Oscar-winning performance as he took me aside and tried to tell me about a bunch of unwritten rules and things to watch out for building upon what the other tall tales the folks in the shop were weaving. Then in ominous tones he told me about the previous mechanic whose spot I was filling. Yay, he went missing when responding to a false call. No one else heard it over the radio, but he recorded it and went out. He should have known better. The unit reporting the call doesn't exist, and the training range was vacant. I, we have no idea why he went out there. He looked down sadly, we only know that we found his truck buried in a sand berm about three days later. No sign of him, or how his vehicle could have wound up buried like that. Just be careful. Things get weird out there. I rolled my eyes and shrugged it off. Talk about commitment to a prank. A few days later I was still settling in and went out on my first two-job call. It was well past 100 degrees out, and both training areas I had to hit were at the extreme eastern edge of the base. As luck would have it my utility vehicle didn't have working air conditioning either. Thankfully the first job was an easy, if time-consuming, fix. After packing up and getting ready to head to the second site I was required to report my time, position, and estimated arrival at the next site. I thought to myself, I could take the main roads the long way around all the ranges, following procedure, and in doing so avoid entering an active training area or I could take a shortcut across a training area and cut 40 minutes off my transit time to the next job. Since I knew the training area between me and my next call had actually been vacated that morning and the heat was brutal, I decided to take a shortcut. I drove for what felt like hours in the intense heat. Under those conditions they often say your eyes start playing tricks on you, and they aren't wrong. Strange distorted forms appeared off in the distance only to fade to nothing as I drive by. For miles and miles this went on, then all of the sudden I was brought out of my trance by a form that didn't dissipate. Breaking one of Mikey's silly cardinal rules, I pulled off the road to have a look and see if I could help. As I neared I could see clearly that it was an old jeep stuck in the sand. It seemed like the kind of jeep that probably hadn't been used by line units since the early eighties at the latest. What the hell was it doing out here? I slowed down and pulled up next to the wreck and I immediately felt my stomach drop as if I were weightless. Two limp forms rested in the front seats of the jeep and one laid nearby in the sand. My adrenaline spiked and I jumped out of my truck rushing over to help. Despite the oppressive heat a chill overcame me. The men were clearly dead, but they couldn't have been out here more than a week by their appearances. Bloated tongues bulging out of slack jaws, eyes half-closed and milky white, skin pale and taut. It took me a moment to note other details. The uniforms were wrong they were a simple, solid green. Their helmets were wrong too. It didn't make any sense. There was no way a vehicle would've just sat out here unnoticed for decades, likewise there was no way a unit would've dressed up in vintage uniforms, carrying vintage gear, just to screw around out here. Then my eyes drifted to the vehicle. Against my better judgment I walked around and inspected it. The water cans in the back were empty, and the whip radio antenna was missing form its mount on the rear of the vehicle. I stood there at a loss, knowing what probably happened to these men but not understanding who it had happened to. I walked back around to the front of the vehicle and stopped. The man who was laying in the dirt was gone. What the f I exhaled. Hey! A voice called from the far side of the immobilized Jeep. Not knowing what to say, I said nothing at all as I slowly started moving backwards, careful to make as little sound as possible. Hey, can you give us a hand? We're stuck here. I heard the driver's side door open and close but couldn't see what was happening as they went to work trying to free the Jeep. Hey! The voice called again, more urgent and louder. Hey, can you give us a hand? We're stuck here. I glanced to my truck, still apparently undisturbed only about 10 meters away. The problem, though was that the only way to get to my truck was to go right by the passenger side door and cross the line of sight of whatever it was that I had stumbled upon. I wanted to run but found my feet too heavy to lift, so I used all my will to take another step backward and just then I stepped on the one goddamn piece of vegetation within fifty meters of me. Crunch. Time slowed. The sounds of strain and digging coming from the far side of the jeep stopped. For a mere second there was complete silence before a grotesque visage slowly peered out of the passenger side window and its cloudy eyes locked onto mine. Hey! It called, its voice muffled and by its swollen tongue. Before the shock wore off and I could begin running toward my truck, its deathly brethren came around at a trot blocking my only clear path of escape. Hey! They called in unison, and I sprinted faster than I'd ever done before. I was driven by mad panic. Somehow I made it past them, barely slipping through their grasp. I jumped into the truck, turned over the ignition which caught on the first try, and threw it into reverse. I was peeling backward just as one of the forms grabbed onto the grille of the truck and began climbing up and over the hood. I swerved left and right trying to throw it off to no avail. It tore into the hood for purchase and kept right on coming. It anticipated and braced for every clumsy maneuver and just as its hand firmly grasped the driver's side view mirror it began to shift and fade from reality. I was back on the main road, it was gone and its compatriots stood off the main road as mute statues. They watched for moments before returning to their ceaseless task. I drove onward leaving them behind and ignored anything and everything else along
1: Ready to pop the question? For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
0: ...the way. When I finally arrived at the next job, the group of soldiers waiting in the shade next to their broken-down M113 hurried over and helped me out of the vehicle. I heard muffled voices and looks of concern as I was led to the shade. Heat stroke. Hey, Doc, we're going to need to stick him. As I laid there and let them push about a liter of fluid into me, I stared at the front of my truck, now visible to me for the first time since the encounter. It was pretty messed up. Handholds were cleaved from the metal paneling itself. Then I faded out. I woke up in a small clinic with both Mikey and my supervisor waiting nearby as a cool stream of saline fed into my arm. Don't break the rules again. My supervisor said, you are lucky to be alive and you'll be restricted to light duty until you recuperate. Just so you know what happened. I asked, unsure of my experience. Well, based on how messed up your truck was and the fact you were able to get to the second job site in under two minutes from your check-in, I'd say you broke the rules. It was real? Mikey and my supervisor glanced at one another for a moment. Yes. Absolutely. I thought we were pretty upfront about that. I just thought you were messing with me, I sighed, I saw guys, corpses, stuck out there. From another time, it looked like they got lost out there long ago. Well, that happens. All too often, actually. I can't tell you if they are echoes or what, or how time can cease to have meaning when you break the rules. But they were people. That I'm sure of. I guess they never let go. They never gave up hope. That desperation echoes through time, but it's only one of the more benign things out there they left me alone confident in my recovery while I contemplated my supervisor's last words. I probably need to write all the rules down. This didn't happen while I was in the military, but rather on an overnight on a battleship when I was younger. Walking the halls of a retired ship in the middle of the night headed to the head restroom, you can't help but notice the movements in the corners and behind you. Like someone is there but isn't at the same time, walking past berthing, sleeping quarters, you could see movements in the empty racks, beds hung three high from the ceiling. It's super unnerving to say the least. Now for while I was active duty. I spent a lot of time in the woods and landing zones on a base in North Carolina. Deep in the woods in the middle of the night can be a sketchy place. Not just because of bears, raccoons and the like but it's an old place. I remember hearing things all the time while standing watch over sites we had set up. Five-sevenths would advise joining and spending time alone in the woods. Good time. <laughs> when I was a young military wife I lived with my husband on a support site near Naples, Italy. They had row after row of brand new apartments that had never been lived in before. We were assigned to one of these buildings. It was next to many other brand new buildings each housing several apartments. They were pretty standard military housing except that because we were in Italy we enjoyed the extra luxury of wraparound decks although there wasn't much to see since the support site was stuck in the middle of farmland but the southern Italian sun was spectacular. Immediately next to our apartment block was an empty section of ground that looked like it had been partially excavated in preparation for another building but then halted and a large fence was wrapped around the whole area. When we asked about it we were told that Etruscan ruins had been found in that location and so building was halted. It was also suggested to us by the housing office that they thought it might have actually been an Etruscan burial site. My husband and I thought that was really awesome as we have always been big history enthusiasts. We settled quickly into our new apartment on the second floor of our apartment block along with our cat Merlin. Almost immediately I started experiencing strange noises. Doors would open and close. Items on shelves would go sliding around, and footsteps could sometimes be heard that seemed to be coming from our hallway not from the other couples above or below us. Lots of little stuff would happen but most of it I could write off as a new building settling or if my cat was not in sight then I would just blame him. However on occasion my cat would be sitting in my lap and I would hear something crash or bang or move that I really could not explain. My husband was usually away at his job so he rarely experienced any of this himself or would come home too tired to notice or care. So it was becoming a bit frustrating. I gave the situation a great deal of thought and finally decided that the best solution would be to adopt the cute little stray cat that always greeted us when we went for walks in the evening. That way I could always blame at least one cat for noises even if the other was in my lap. My husband agreed to this with reservations as it required delousing the new cat and getting it fully vetted cost money. Also the cat tried to eat my husband's thumb while we were trying to give her a bath and much needed flea dip. However the cat settled in nicely after a somewhat rocky start and soon became part of the family. Also I became less bothered by noises because just as I suspected I was able to blame most of it on one or the other cat. Then one night I was sitting in my big papasan chair with my two cats facing the kitchen with the open par that looked onto the kitchen in typical Italian style. Both cats were on my lap and purring quietly. I was probably reading a book when something caused me to look up and towards the cabinets in the kitchen. It might have been a rattle or a sound, I can't remember for certain. What I do remember clearly is that when I looked up just one of my kitchen cabinet doors flew wide open and all of my pans came flying out of it and onto the floor. For a few seconds me and the cats just sat there completely stunned as all three of us tried to understand what had just occurred. Then the cats jumped down and ran off and hid. I remained where I was and just sighed then said out loud okay, good one you got me there. And I went back to my book. Sometime shortly after that we moved on to the economy. Not because of the ghosts but because living on the US support site was kind of boring and I wanted the experience of actually living in and with the Italian people. We ended up in an amazing villa where I could look out my balcony and see the ruins of the Cave of the Sibyl and the Temple of Apollo and only a couple of blocks from the Arco de Felice. In spite of our new proximity to some of the most renowned ancient sites in all of Italy and possibly the world, I never again experienced anything as unexplainable and strange as i did on that support site i have always wondered if anyone else in those apartments ever had strange things happen unfortunately i have not yet met anyone with whom i can compare notes while working as a military police officer in the army a young kid i don't remember his age maybe 11 to 12 or so walked into the ER where I was assigned for the night. He had lacerations to his head, nose was bleeding and a cut on his face. He said he was in an accident and needed help. While he was being treated, I went to his house to notify his parents. As soon as I walked in and made contact with his mother, I knew what had happened. Then after looking around the house a bit, I could see lines of blood on a few walls and more on the ceiling. We then notified his father, the service member, who came home and said the blood was from the dog. He said the dog had constant nosebleeds. When we started asking about abuse and the kids, both parents completely denied it. Then we found a can of hairspray with blood on it. This kid had been being beaten with metal cans from all over the house. His parents were swinging the cans at his head so hard it was slicing him open and the blood splatter was ending up on the ceiling. These asshat parents tried blaming it on the dog child abuse cases were always the worst there was a place at al Deed air base in the paul that's fuel storage and distribution yard before it moved to more permanent structures called boot hill it was a little circular path around and among little dioramas of various elements of paul related work a little wooden fuel truck for the distro element a sample blivet full of sand for storage that sort of thing. Well, along with these little displays, there were hundreds of pairs of old boots with deployment dates, little slogans, and names on them. Some of these boots dated back to the days of Prince Sultan Air Base back in the 90s. One poetic airman had written a variation of the inscription on Shakespeare's headstone, which I still remember, friend, For the deed's sake forbear slash to take the boots entombed here slash blessed is he with paul roots slash but cursed be he who takes their boots pretty cool stuff the spooky part is this alu deed is one of the busiest airfields on earth something is always taking off landing or circling overhead often with afterburners but on boot hill it got real quiet you could still hear all of this stuff going on but it seemed muted and far away it also seemed much cooler there than everywhere else. I still get a little creeped out thinking about it. I have never seen anything creepy that Occam's Razor didn't have a reasonably rational explanation for. However, it wasn't until I was manning a guard post out in the Omani desert overnight that I discovered what a little sleep depth and the wind can do to you. I've been on checkpoints in six states and five countries in all sorts of terrain, sometimes with days without sleep. So I'm familiar with what is and isn't unusual. This guard shack was about 300 meters out from the small camp itself, which had a couple of manning it. Light traffic on the highway a click away, two to three cars an hour. And my buddy was sitting in a parked Humvee behind the shack. I forget the model but it's one of those up-armored Humvees that seal noise inside really well. All in all it was dead silent, aside from the constant strong wind. At about 2300, I heard whispered voices. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but it sounded like English. I put my Kevlar on, PPE was required, thinking the SOG or PL had come up to check on us. I walked around the shack, but no one was there. I opened up the Humvee and asked if he'd heard anything or was playing a video on his phone, and he wasn't. So I went back inside and shrugged it off. At midnight, I heard the voices again, and got up to look around. Asked my buddy again, and again was met with a confused shrug. I intermittently kept hearing people talking all through the night, but chalked it up to the wind. In retrospect I have to assume some guys were talking back at the camp somewhere I couldn't see them and the wind was carrying the voices all the way to me. Which had happened once or twice in deserts before, but never so clearly. Or that the wind was creating some kind of effect with the rickety shack itself and my brain read into it. One way or another, the voices creeped me out, and I didn't have any problems staying awake that night. When I was in Eastern Afghanistan, Tongi Valley, Syed Bad, Jughetto, and everything between Kabul and Ghazni, I saw lights dancing around the sky. Now, I am a huge nerd and wanted to be a pilot, to put this into context my reading was usually human factors in aviation or I'd be re-reading a brief history of time so I was often looked at as the guy too smart to be enlisted. Just wanted yo put that out there to say I'm not dumb or easily impressionable and I also know a thing or two about fixed-wing aviation and have been around enough helicopters in combat to understand their maneuverability. So, anyway, during a few different missions I saw lights in the sky that would defy the laws of aerodynamics, it was an incredible display. Left-right, up-down, zigzag, sometimes super-fast and sometimes stopping in mid-air. We were dug into the peak of a mountain, some of the highest in Afghanistan, so I had a crystal clear view of the sky. It was unlike any NATO bird I'm aware of and displayed capabilities beyond what we have deployed were capable of. So, let's get another thing out of the way my cop was at around 10k elevation. When I first got there, it hurt to breathe, let alone run around with 200 pounds on your back. You literally aren't allowed to leave the wire for two weeks just to get acclimated to the thin air so we regularly went on missions that would take us to mountains so high our Chinooks had to drop us off at a lower point because they can't go that high. I'm pretty familiar with how our aviation fleet engages targets and sets up flight paths for gun runs. This thing, whatever it was, did not follow any recognizable patterns whatsoever, and would go so high it was getting lost amongst the stars, and it would zoom at the ground like it's going kamikaze, I had a buddy who was wounded and stuck in the TOC so he was there on the radio and can confirm we didn't have any birds in the air. I woke up my buddy next to me to see what I was seeing and he too was amazed and couldn't understand, though he brushed it off to whatever badass new army tech is being used, so the only things I admittedly have very little knowledge about are drones, but I've actually seen a few videos on drones and they seem to be unable to pull off what I witnessed the lights doing. Lastly, at larger outposts teresa surveillance contraption that we set up literally lying to the villagers and tell them it's a weather balloon lols but i've seen that thing up close it's basically a blimp and it's even tethered to the outpost so it's literal key just like hovering not going anywhere keeping eyes on the surrounding area so it couldn't be that either to this day i have no clue what it could've been i saw it on three different occasions two of which while on a mountaintop another while at an outpost. At the end of the day, I can't pretend I know what every military element in Afghanistan is up, but when my dude at the TOC says no one called in air support, my buddy Doug in next to me confirms I'm not just seeing stuff and he sees it too, and my pretty well-rounded education can't make sense of it, I know it's worth my curiosity. Active duty infantryman here. During basic training, we left the barracks to do some training for the day. When we came back, all of our shoes and boots were thrown all over the bay. There were shoes and boots all over the place. What's weird is that once we started organizing our boots the way our drill sergeants instructed us to at the beginning of the cycle, it never happened again. Spooky huh? Stuff like this happened all the time. Like this one time, Our drill sergeant tipped over every bunk in the room and threw all the mattresses and sheets around because someone had left their bunk undone. Well he left and about seven minutes later he walked back in, and to his surprise all of the beds were perfectly aligned and made to standard. Come on, don't tell me you don't believe in ghosts after that. How before I got kicked out of marine tank school, they bought a OG board and didn't tell it goodbye haunting the squad bay. In addition to everyone near the board coincidentally failing the course, our rec room got some ghosts. One of us was on fire watch and thought some of the recon guys who came for jump school were messing around in there. So he went to go tell them to stop being dicks and was met with a dark room with the pool table having the balls rolling around the table with the cues spinning around on the edges of the table. Then everything stopping as soon as he entered the room. He booked it back to the squad bay, and then you could always hear banging through the walls every night as if someone was moving things around. It would keep everyone up and there was just no explanation for the noises. And lastly the random glowing ball of light that just appeared out of nowhere on the ceiling one night and wouldn't go away. I grew up in an old, Victorian-era boarding house in Iva, South Carolina. Everything about that town, that house and its surrounding area is just bug-creepy. We saw and felt all kinds of weirdness in there, but that's only the beginning of my experiences. Hot spots, cold spots, apparitions of a man who looked like he was dressed in a suit and fedora who was always with a young woman who was wearing a dress, like an old school teacher from when the house was used as a boarding house and the ghosts of people that had been lynched from an old pecan tree in my backyard. I'm used to seeing some messed up stuff by this point, and that's only part of it. Fast forward to 2014. Enlisted in the US Navy, got assigned tad to USS stared in between my A and C schools. I was coming back to the ship one night, and I see somebody aloft. That's not right. Nobody's supposed to be aloft at night, but somebody probably got an okay for it somewhere, so whatever. I see them walking around, then I get to the brow and look up, but don't see anybody. A, guess they went inside already. Didn't think anything about it. The next morning, we go underway. I went up to the smoke deck late one night on that underway, and on my way there, I see the upper half of a guy's face and could see coveralls with his second-class crows visible through the porthole window on one of the airlock doors that you go through to go outside. I make eye contact and shuffle over to let him in. He shuffled over too. Okay. I'll open it, guy, whatever. I open it, look around and don't see him. A, he probably went over for another cigarette. I climb up there and I see some people in the dark, faces occasionally lit by the cherry from their cigarette, but I don't see the guy. I ask if anybody saw somebody come up here, because there was a guy that was about to hop through the airlock, but didn't. I just want to make sure that he's okay, you know? Silence. Then, you saw him? Huh? Yeah dipshit, that's why I asked. Is that guy up here or what? Do we need to call away man overboard? No, he's dead. Uh, maybe not if we turn the F around. No, I mean he hung himself. Really? No? Yeah. He was a CTR2 that got into a love triangle that went bad. He couldn't deal, so, hey, actually come over here under this light. Okay. Look up! This light was what he hung himself from. Sometimes you can see him walking around up there at night, and you'll feel a cold spot right here. F me. Anything else I ought to know? Yeah, lemme show you Andrew stare sword. It'll always shock you through the case, no matter how many times you touch it, or if you touch some metal beforehand. Cool, dude. Yeah, apparently he killed a kid with it, or something. Yeesh. Oh. And you're a sonar tech right yeah man i'm in our div right now but yeah okay go ask chief moon about the skid i think she's in sonar right now anyway okay i'll bite i head back in and get down to sonar control chief moon was there and i ask her about the skid oh hell nah that place freaks me the f out okay but why what's the story I gotta know now. Well, I went down there one time to get pressure readings because I was an STG-1 at the time and I was on duty. I saw a guy standing in the corner, back facing the ladder. I asked if he was okay, and he didn't reply, so I booked. F that thing. I don't ever go down there at night. Yeah, but was it just somebody mayessing with you? It sure as hell wasn't anybody that I recognized at all, so you tell me. Ooh probably not. Yeah, and that's why I stayed the f out of there. I left after a bit, and figured that I'd check up on the skid anyway, just to see for myself. I got down there, and when I touched the hatch, I felt the same weirdness from when I was a kid. I went in anyway, cut on a light and didn't see anything, but still felt that something was off. Everybody else that I asked said that it's creepy down there and that they don't go anywhere near the skid unless they really have to. Anyway, That's a few things that I saw out there. My old ship, USS Princeton chased a UFO one time, off the coast of Baja, and I saw some sort of submerged disc-like thing on sonar once. That, and any time that we'd go over shipwrecks, I would get a weird feeling out on the smoke deck. Anyway, that's enough for now. I gotta get back to work. Thanks peeps. My story is something that happened at a military station. It was right in my home. Every time I write or speak about it, I still get goosebumps, yeah got them again. We had a fire and had to leave the home for about a year. I left on vacation. The first day I got back, I decided to go back home as though the repairs and rainos were finally done. I go to sleep and after a few hours, I feel something pulling my blanket off of me. I kind of pull it back up and murmur something as my younger cousin used to do this when I was on vacation. Then it happens again and I'm half asleep but realize I'm alone at home. I feel something very very cold grab a hold of my left foot and pulling the blanket off of me again.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: There's a weird stench in the room. Can't really explain it. Just really, really bad. My heart starts beating because I think it's an animal or something. I am blind with my glasses but as I start to turn to see what it is, I see a huge figure probably 7 or 8 feet bent over me. I can't see details because it is dark and I don't have my glasses on. It doesn't seem to want to hurt me but seems angry or frustrated. Sort of like what the hell are you doing on my bed? I start praying for dear life and when it got real close to me, I just kicked it and started chanting all the prayers I have ever known. I see my hockey stick and I grab it and swing as hard as I could a few times. It ran towards the kitchen and I could hear it hurting. Since I didn't have my glasses, I remember it was big and sort of like a white and greenish vertical dress shirt. I wanted to follow it but just cover myself in the blanket cause I'm scared as. I stayed up as long as I could but eventually didn't hear anything and fell asleep. I woke up around noon and think it's a nightmare. Then I see the hockey stick beside me. I slowly walk towards the kitchen and I see some feathers and a crow with its ribs smashed in. No blood, on bird or stick, but the bird took a beating. I stayed up the next day waiting for revenge but never had anything similar happen inside the house since. Could never explain it. People think I made this up but then they see the goosebumps and aren't sure what to think. My command's HQ'd in an old World War II hospital. There is an extensive basement that is used as a gym and storage area. There's some cages with gear in them on the storage side and the other side is locker rooms for the gym, complete with showers. The male shower is the old autopsy room, because it was the only room with a drain. Apparently there is a headless nurse that haunts the building. It's not one of those blatant poltergeists that scares the crap out of you, but one of those ghosts that just does really subtle stuff, like you're not sure if you just saw something or not. With one exception. There's a story of one time that a sailor was in the gym later at night, after everybody had gone home for the day. He got his PT in, then went to take a shower, in the former autopsy room. As he was showering, after rinsing the shampoo out of his hair and opening his eyes, he noticed that the water around the drain was reddish, and he assumed it was dirt. Dirt in the region is red and these are old pipes. He finished his shower, and then took a second look. It was way too red to be dirt. Definitely blood. That was pretty weird but he knew it was an old autopsy room and figured it was just old World War II blood and dismissed it. He got dressed and left the locker room. On his way to the stairs, he noticed the light in the hallway towards the storage area, and former morgue, had been left on. Not surprising, sailors can be forgetful, so he went to turn it off rather than bother the watchstanders with it. When he went to turn the light off, he heard a noise further down the hall. It sounded to him like the door to the outside which was around the corner. This could be an intruder, so he walked to the corner and looked. Someone dressed in a simple white dress was hunched over an old-style gurney with a body bag on it, pushing it towards the door. As he looked, it stopped, let go of the gurney, and turned to face him. She hadn't been hunched over. She just had no head. He noped the F out of there, went straight up the stairs to the quarterdeck, aka lobby. He tried to tell the sailors on watch what he'd seen, but he was mostly a babbling mess. They called the chaplain and he took the guy somewhere off to talk, because he had no interest going back into the building. Once he'd calmed down and was rational again, he told this whole story. When people at the command found out some scary thing had happened to him, he told them all this story. Supposedly the guy was so traumatized that he couldn't work in the building anymore and they had to send him home for psychiatric reasons. There is now a time limit for when you can use the gym for PT, although I don't know if it's official. I just know that nobody uses that gym after normal working hours anymore. Oh yeah, and as junior enlisted, I get to be the roving security watch on the graveyard shift, and do solo rounds of the building after midnight. I take a flashlight every time, but it doesn't make me feel much better about it. Years ago I was once working a late night shift on an Air Force base. It was so late that we thinned out to minimum manning. Which was me and four or five others. At the side of our aircraft hangar we had a crew room, rest area, recreation room. My small team walked in after a job to find it empty, apart from this one guy sat down watching TV my team sat down too and started making coffee and having a snack etc. Eventually after a while we started to whisper to each other do you know that guy? It soon came apparent that nobody recognized him as belonging on our squadron. If I remember, our NCO phoned the military police, security force and the guy was taken away. I can only guess he was some random civilian who had jumped over the fence, walked across the entire airfield and sat down in our crew room. What amazes me the most about this, is this wasn't a ghost story but he was a genuine intruder who had mysteriously walked into in the middle of the Air Force base. And our small team was in the same room as him for quite a while before we twigged. We never found out who he was and I've never experienced anything like it before or since. Another thing. Working at Air Force's bases late at night I've seen some beautifully creepy weather phenomena. You could see a bank of fog one kilometer away and the fog will slowly start to move towards you, slower than a walking pace like a creepy gas cloud. The line of fog straight as a ruler. It sounds insignificant and daft, but when there's only two of you working on the flight line at 4 a.m. it's quite an eerie sight. There's been other times when the layer of fog coming towards you had only been a few cm's thick and hovered at head height, you could see above and below it. Like a sheet of paper held flat.